Not everyone has heard of it, but every mother and newborn baby will go through it. So in this episode, Caroline Brophy, midwife at the National Maternity Hospital at Hollis Street, talks us through the physical and emotional changes you can expect during the fourth trimester and how to deal with them as you adjust to life as a new mum. Caroline, you're joining us today to speak about the fourth trimester. So I suppose a lot of mums might not know what the fourth trimester is. Um, And I actually didn't know really what it was when I had my first baby. So do you want to tell us a little bit about what the fourth trimester is? Thank you. Yes, I suppose traditionally postnatal care or the postnatal period is um, defined from the birth of the baby up to 42 days or six weeks postnatal and this is a time for recovery um, for mothers and adjustment uh, to motherhood so if you think for over time our postnatal care is often referred to the Cinderella of childbirth where there's less resources and less apparent interest um, put into the postnatal period and the postnatal period is probably one of the most essential times for a mother um, as she adjusts as I say to motherhood. So the whole concept of the fourth trimester is a period of three months of recovery adjusting to motherhood and for mother's own well-being and if you think of pregnancy it's uh, divided into three trimesters there's the first trimester and there's a lot of focus on that then there's the second trimester and the third trimester and this is the belief and the and what we would like to get out there into society and interculture is the fourth trimester a three-month period 12-week period where a mother adjusts uh, to motherhood and becomes a new mother and physically recovers. That's a lovely idea and one that I am so behind because at the same time I wasn't completely aware of this notion because it's not out there really Um, and for people in Ireland and maybe the western world there's a pressure it kind of at the when you have your baby it's all about the baby and then the focus on the mother is really diminishes even though for the whole pregnancy it was all about well not all about but a, a lot about the mother as well and your and the, her health but after having the baby you know so much goes on during the the labor and after and of course there's complications that happen but it's all about, OK, now you should be so happy because you have your baby and the baby's healthy, you know, if they all going well. And um, but even if even if you're kind of given two weeks or three weeks after that, it's kind of like, well, you should be, you know, getting on with it now. And there's a big pressure. I even felt it myself to get up and out of the house right, yeah. after two weeks and, and go for walks and things. I'm like, oh, it'd be good for you. I didn't want to. I wanted to like stay in bed all day with my baby and like watch Netflix and sleep as you know when I could for as long as I could so see I'm I'm slightly different in that I actually really liked getting out of the house quite quite early on and it was literally a walk up to the shops yeah and it was quite daunting I won't I won't lie like it was it was a bit scary I felt like I'd never really seen traffic the way I had before and even like people smoking on the street I was like oh my god they're polluting my beautiful pure baby's lungs you know like small things like that so I did actually in hindsight feel I suppose quite overwhelmed the first time I did leave and I think she was maybe only about four days old when we went for a walk um but I really liked getting out and I really enjoyed kind of the fresh air and even just kind of feeling a little bit normal because you're in such a baby bubble. But for me, I think it's the cultural um, idea of when you have a baby in the Western world 
and you know if your partner gets is lucky enough to get a couple of weeks off um to be with you at the start when they go back to work you're essentially alone um and everything is up to you and it's quite lonely there's a lot there and I agree with yeah, everything sorry, Caroline. you say. No, you're fine. <laughs> you're fine. It all, please. No, no, no. I think it, the first thing, there's a lot of factors that influence that. The first thing is, yes, our culture, um, the Western culture, and I'll come back to that in a minute. But uh, for if you look at postnatal period and you're right there, it's not two people. The focus a lot of time, and we're excellent with her care, and rightly so, of the newborn baby and the focus on the baby. But the other person in this is a woman, and she's just as important um, um, as the newborn baby. I'm very lucky. I work in a postnatal clinic for complications after childbirth, and the feedback from every mother is, I wish I was prepared better. And I think, I suppose that comes down to two things. Um... The cultural, um, I suppose, discourse or the concept of um, motherhood and the postnatal period and its um, importance in Western culture and in Irish culture is, is very limited. And I think it's something as women that we need to lead out on. Uh, if you look at the whole menopause, it's very um, in the news at the moment, or if you look at fertility, um, all these things for years in Ireland were never, ever, ever discussed. And now it's out there and women are leading the change along with health professionals. So I think that's one um, idea. The second is preparation. And and that involves two things. First of all, it's as I've come back to the fourth trimester, it's the understanding for childbirth, your body changes. In preparation, there's huge physiological changes in preparation for the childbirth and your body physically needs to physiologically return to normal. And that takes a period of time, anywhere up to six months or six weeks, depending on um, different um, different uh, systems. Uh, so that's the big thing there. And the other is preparation. Preparation is so essential. Again, if you talk to anyone, a lot of mothers or a lot of educationists, antenational educationists, they talk about the focus for women is on the labour and delivery. And that's the big thing. And nothing else matters um, after this. Um, and that seems to be the thing. But we, as I say, need to change the culture. Preparation is essential. You have to look at your situations. Um and that like preparation you're preparing yourself for a nesting down period for want of a better word for six to eight weeks when you go home you're seeing what social supports you have there um um are you geographically separated from your family is it your family are abroad or are they down the country so are you quite isolated what foods have you prepared um, how are you going to rest and how are you going to physical recovery? So, so there are some of the other, uh, so some of the things we need to, to get out there very yeah. quickly. Um, but the mother or the, you know, parents to be preparing and doing, you know, the classes, they need to be kind of warned of these preparations as well. So I remember I was pregnant during the pandemic and all of the classes were cancelled like and I was really disappointed about that <laughs> but it left me kind of up in the air in a lot of ways I was kind of like so I'm just sort of I'll, I'll do the research myself and I did and I also did an online class which was really good 
um, it because for, especially for first time parents, like we were just, you know, letting us know what was going to happen up to the birth. And also, it, but if anything went after the birth, it was about the baby. It was like how to change the nappy, how to bathe them, how to, you know, do a little bit of CPR, that kind of thing. And looking back, we thought it was great. We thought we were prepared, but there was nothing about um, what might happen to me. Now, of course, it is also dependent on the birth. So you don't you can't I don't know. Can you uh, pre- uh, prepare for tears if you're you know, if if you're not going to necessarily get one or that kind of thing? Um, or I even kind of feel like a lot of the focus post labor um, or post birth is around feeding, which I know is essential and so important and getting the right support to enable you to breastfeed if that's what you want to do is actually so crucial and I definitely agree with the level of focus there however I found that once the feeding was kind of sorted like that box was ticked you're kind of out on your own um and even you know you have public health nurses and everything who come and visit and that's amazing but there's not really kind of like a check-in even at like the two-month stage or post that which I'm sure is a resource issue rather than kind of that it does it's not needed um but you know how like how would you recommend um women or new new mums kind of prepare for that postnatal period I think there's a few things um the first thing is the whole idea of um and I borrow this from literature the motherhood myth where we live in a society and a lot of myths versus fact and there's some examples like breastfeeding you know it should be lovely it should be easy it should just be so natural well fact is it's hard work and if you succeed with it well and good but if you try to breastfeed and you fail or no sorry fail is the wrong word if it just doesn't work out for whatever reason the huge scent of failure is a hugely disappointment uh, for women so Again, that comes back to cultural um, acceptance. Like if you, when your baby is born, the culture, the myth is that you see your baby, you fall in love straight away. Um, but that doesn't necessarily happen for many reasons. For you might be exhausted having your baby, complications. Um, so that's important too to see. That's okay. That it can take time. Um, there's a lot that you're a normal, good, natural mother if you have a spontaneous delivery without an epidural. And um, that is a huge failure f- for women if this doesn't happen. But that's our culture. I just, the culture changing, here. the yeah. culture <laughs> is so important. I know. There's so much expectation yeah. ahead of having your first child. And even if you do, you know, I very naively thought um, that I was going to try and do it all drug free. I, th- I basically thought I had a choice. I thought it was completely up to me and I was in complete control of how the whole thing was going to pan out. And obviously it didn't go to plan or my plan. Um, and I felt like I had failed. And luckily, you know, I just was able to move on and get over it. And it didn't kind of press on me. Yeah, stick. Um but I'd say there's a lot of people who who will kind of not fixate, but it'll it'll hang over the whole um, experience for for a period of time because they have such an expectation, and then the reality is so different. Yeah, and for people who end up having, you know, emergency C sections when the labour is on going on way too long or the baby is in distress, I know a lot of people who have felt like a acute disappointment because of that. Mm. 
when obviously as as friends your advice would be oh my god don't that's you know giving birth is giving birth you know whatever way happens but um yeah there is this I I mean there is this kind of funny expectation as it is the motherhood myth as if you have to do it all right or else you know but you know it's downhill from there for some reason I feel though as well, obviously the age we're living in, like the Instagram age, we're just bombarded with images, like very visual, perfectly choreographed images of what motherhood looks like and what, you know, even birth looks like and immediately after birth. And, you know, you can really get a little bit brainwashed by what it should look like Mm -hmm. and also then put those expectations upon yourself about what you should look like. And I have to say, like after I had my... two children and after both babies like you're just leaking boobs and like you you, your body still doesn't feel like yourself I had episiotomies with both so you've got that whole issue going on you know you're like wincing every time you go to the loop like it's not pretty and it's not this picture perfect idea of of or ideal of motherhood but like that's that's okay and I think that's what we have to know that that's what it does look like it's not matching you know cashmere cohorts and well, perfect I brought sleeping makeup baby. with me in my like labor <laughs> bag I was like well you know for the pictures <laughs> and of course as when it came to it I, obviously I wanted all the pictures and my eyebrows were not drawn in I did not <laughs> yeah. I was not wearing lipstick I didn't have the powder in my hair covering the grays like and I didn't mind in that moment um but then you know even after that though there's a you see the people on Instagram and you see your friends with their first baby photo and somehow they are wearing like eyelash extensions. I know I'm like I have to say like I'm I'm in such awe of people that can actually pull that off because like I looked horrendous after both Me of my too. labors. Um, but like it, th- that's okay. That's, it is you, okay. You've gone through uh, a massive tri- life is, is changing. It, yeah, is event. it true to say trauma, trauma to your body? Yeah. Like it, it is. is. Yeah. Yeah, you know it is. It's a physiological trauma to your body, yeah. and then there's the whole recovery. You're exhausted. It's a huge change to what you've been used to. You suddenly have this baby. You yourself are physically exhausted. There's a huge change in hormones. Mm-hmm. You are just lost. You know, and suddenly you have this little person that you have to look after that you are totally responsible for, and it's hugely. Uh, traumatic and a huge, huge uh, life change. But I think coming back to that point, for some women, you know, it's really important to be look beautiful, have the eyebrows done and look really, really well. And that makes them happy and content. But equally, for an awful lot of mothers, that doesn't that isn't the way they want to be and I think that's we have to accept that both is right yeah and I think you know and that's really the danger of internet and like the internet got the whole debate is it good or bad but it's hugely positive like if you're um you know the positives it's a great educational tool it's 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 global um there's loads of positive good quality well-researched information um if you're isolated from your family friends um you know it's really good to have that um tool there available and it's also really good as a language uh, support for mothers that uh, english is not their first language that they can help support that way 
but there are the huge negatives you know the huge damage it can do the whole this is your perfect body after six weeks you know you're super fit super skinny and if, skinny and if you're not you feel a failure but I think even as well like I for after my first baby was born one of my best friends was getting married four weeks literally to the day after I gave birth and um I was determined to go to her wedding and I wasn't going to miss it for the world. And I did go. Um, and, you know, I had my like turbo strength spanks on and thankfully I'd stopped wearing pads at that point. So that was one blessing. Um, and I went out, whatever, and got there. But the whole day, I it was literally like an out-of-body experience and I couldn't even put my finger on it. I just felt so strange and I just didn't want to be there. Um, and... I stayed, I think, until about maybe 10 o'clock. And then I was like, I just have to go. And I was pumping, I was breastfeeding. So I was actually pumping in the bathroom. So I could hear like, you know, the crack going on. I could actually hear the speeches at one point as I was pumping. Um, And I had like a packet of sweets in my bag. And I was like sitting on the loo eating sweets pumping. I was like, this is my lowest moment. But it's just like, I I put, I wasn't going to say put a pressure. I just decided I wanted to do this because it was really important to me to to do that for my friend. And... But, you know, the whole wedding day, I had to kind of pretend I was fine. But like in hindsight, I could even hear babies crying. Like, do you know what I mean? I was kind of going slightly mad um, because you just left this bubble, even though I'd say I was kind of out and out and about and doing things and meeting people. But I suppose I always had the baby with me. Um, and then to go into this social setting where suddenly you're kind of nearly cut off and you're trying to pretend that you're, with it and you're like in the the same kind of mental headspace as everyone else but, but I wasn't has been I was with on another you. planet that baby's been with you like separately for at the month but in you yeah. for so long before yeah. that that you that, that was your reality I yeah yeah yeah, you're, yeah it's part of who you are now yeah. and like it's the ideal self versus the actual self you know you're going to this wedding your ideal up until you had your baby was this yeah. and now actually where you are now and it's to, I suppose it's for you to accept, which you which you do, but it's also society to accept, to say, hmm, Evie has had her baby four months, four weeks ago. It's great that she's here. Yeah. You know, you know, wearing the Spanx, that probably was uncomfortable for you. Yeah. You know, it should be the norm that you're going off to express or to breastfeed and it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. But I suppose as well, it's that's really important. Like it's it was it was the pressure I put on myself. So it's my expectation versus my reality. As in, when I was having a baby, the first baby, I kind of had no clue. And you don't. You, there's no way to to know what way you're no, going to you be. And um, so I suppose my plans that I was making post birth were being made by somebody who didn't have a child. Yeah. And then suddenly, when there's a baby in the mix, that was kind of changing yeah. everything. For uh, for uh, just uh, in preparation for this, I was just looking at other cultures around the world and the postnatal period, and their focus is you know is up to anywhere from thirty days to a hundred days that a woman is at home that she's been looked after, cared for her by her family. In some areas, in some cultures, has a um, a hot stone massage every day. Oh, hot what, bath. What country is that? <laughs> Can we move there? <laughs> um, <laughs> And, you know, their job is to recover, mm-hmm. physically recover, to build up their strength, to adjust to motherhood and just adjust to their new change in life. And it's very different. Mm-hmm. The, and the other thing is, it's a huge opportunity for health education and health support for mothers um, 
just to, to link in, to, to see how they are as people. And from health point, of, especially uh, health point, uh, from a health point of view, just to help them with their smoking, it's an opportunity for change. It's an opportunity for diet and um, to look after core morbidities, to discuss contraception, to really discuss it, your own sexuality, um, your sexual experience, the spacing of babies. There's a huge gap there yeah, you're that actually needs so to right there because it is this massive change that it, it is an opportunity then to change more you know yeah. you have a baby so now yeah. and especially because you are thinking about the baby as well and I don't know about I mean you I think that a lot of people who have babies they they want to sort of elevate themselves for the baby you know I want to be my the, my best self and in top health physically and mm. mentally because I, I want to be for Fionn. Yeah. You know, I want him to have a healthy yeah. mother in in mind and body. So it's really important. Yeah. And I think coming back to the point about the traumatic delivery or the disappointed delivery, and that is that is okay. But I think for that, for the initial six, eight weeks, to accept that it was disappointing. Um, but you have to physically recover. And to adjust to motherhood. And then after that, eight weeks, three months, arrange then to meet with someone to discuss it because you will have a lot more questions um, then. And um, yeah, I think that's really, really important that you focus on physical recovery, adjustment to motherhood, and then in time meet with the professional um, to sit down and discuss your delivery. And for many mothers, when they sit down and discuss and the events are explained. So that's hugely um, liberating. And so I don't think a lot of women realize that that's an option. I didn't. Yeah. And then I heard a, a, lo- like a, a good long time after my friends doing that. And I was like, oh, my God, I could have. Or, you know, even seeing the notes. Yeah. I didn't even read the notes. And like you say, I think that was really helpful. As, like after you, I, I think a little bit of time needs to pass. Yes. Yeah, process. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Recover. Yeah. 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 Can you tell us a little bit about what happens in your clinic? Because you do uh, work with women who've had um, tra- trauma you yeah, know, after it, the... Our birth. clinic is... Uh, what we found is in, I suppose, in 2000, over a period of time, I worked as a, a manager postnatal ward and the outpatients department. And we identified there was a huge gap in... Uh, postnatal outpatients care for mothers who suffered uh, or have a complication as a result of childbirth, but also had a, an underlying comorbidity like um, preeclampsia or m- postpartum hemorrhage. And there was nowhere formal for them to follow up or there was no specialist. So from there, um, I work with Dr. Leisha O'Brien and we set up the postnatal maternal morbidity clinic, which we call the poppy clinic. So, um, the clinic itself, it, see, it sees a whole range um, of mothers. I suppose our big um, is perineal wounds and mm-hmm. um, breakdown um, of perineal wounds and pain management for perineal wounds and whole surveillance and management of, um, of that area. We see cesarean section wounds. Um, we see all mothers who've had um, um, obstetric anal injury a third or fourth degree they're seen at the perineal clinic at six months but six months is a long time if you have um, any symptoms or complications so we see all mothers at six weeks 
to see that there's no problems with her bowel and if to speed up um, expedite appointments if need be. Uh, we do debriefing. Um, we do a long labour ward. Uh, Martina Cronin is the CNM3, the lead ward, and she is involved in debriefing um, a certain um, cohort of women. And then we ourselves in the Poppy Clinic would um, be involved in another cohort. And then we have the perinatal mental health team inside, and they're involved as well in um, other debriefing services. And then Teresa McCreary, who's the CNM3 of the community, is involved in debriefing whole cohort of patients so there's a big debriefing service inside we then see mothers who've complications after childbirth postpartum hemorrhage um it's very frightening so all mothers who lose blood up to a liter um after the childbirth we would see them six weeks postnatal to discuss the events and plan the pre-pregnancy another effect um is mothers who go home with anemia and low hemoglobin um, affects everything. It affects you yourself. It affects bre- breastfeeding. So we see all mothers after two weeks whose hemoglobin or iron count is less than eight to make sure that their blood co- um, count is coming up and they're taking their iron. And another group that we see is Hollis Street is a national uh, referral center for mothers who are for neonates um, with complications or that are born early. And mothers who are from the outside the greater Dublin area are staying in Hume House or with family in Dublin or, you know, um, so they have no visits. Uh, they have limited visits from public health nurses or they mightn't get to see their GP. So we would see those mothers, you know, within a week, two weeks after delivery um, to offer them physically um, support and to ensure they're recovering and if need be after six weeks. So the service keeps uh, evolving and evolving and we keep learning more and more. The other area we're seeing a lot of now is mothers with uh, persistent perineal granulated tissue. And this is excess granulated tissue, which grows along either the perineal or the vaginal wall and causes a lot of pain and discomfort for mothers um, exercising and in time with um, sexual intercourse. So we see a lot of mothers and we treat these either as outpatients or as inpatients and that seems to be very effective as well so it's constantly growing and evolving and you know yeah we work very closely with um, all the postnatal wards in the hospital and the and the reg the obstetric team um the social work team perinatal mental health the physios and yeah it continues to expand and grow and grow but i think from that it's it, you know, it's so important that we get it out there, you know, not not the clinic per se, but the preparation for, you know, it's nearly, you know, women, we need to lead that and change the culture. As I say, with the, for example, it's in the paper at the moment, the menopause, you know, that is women led. We never talked about menopause for years. Ireland never talked about the menopause. And now it's hugely out there. So we need to do that. hundred percent. So like... What you talk about, the amazing services in the clinic, they're not necessarily issues that you can prepare as a pregnant person because you don't know what's going to happen in the labour. But it is so important to know that they exist just in case it does happen to you. So women, you know, who are pregnant now, who obviously don't have a clue how their labour is going to go, because how can you? Um, 
to to know that that service is available if they need it I think that women need to know that and do you get referred by your GP or what way does it work yeah it, a lot of in hospital referrals public health nurses um GPs um and women themselves like all these mothers have delivered in uh Hollis Street we get some uh, referrals from other hospitals around the country the one thing though I think again that comes back to preparation mm-hmm preparation then for childbirth you know there's two ways of delivering your baby either by cesarean section or a vaginal delivery and there you know if mothers know that if you have a cesarean section you're going to have a wound if you have a perineal delivery or a sorry vaginal delivery you more than likely will have a perineal wound and a lot of mothers don't know that you know and it's again yeah well to be honest I was a little bit kind of I didn't I didn't know what to expect, really. I mean, I kind of went into it thinking I'd probably have, you know, a vaginal birth um, unless I needed a C-section. But I didn't um, really think about the wound thing. But what I didn't want was an episiotomy. Now, I ended up having one, but I got a device thing, you know, an epino, it's called. I had one too. Where you squeeze, it's a squeezy yeah. thing. You're supposed to like stretch, not stretch, but yeah train shall we say train your your vagina to to, you know stretch yeah to reduce the risk and of tearing more than anything and then it promises that you know hardly if you do this then and i religiously would massage almond oil twice a day yeah that that was not going to and then reduce any tears yeah because i was i was really worried about it i was like i don't want an episiotomy i don't want one I mean, I, I was fixated on it. I was the same. I was completely like, fixated on it. And I don't know why in I hindsight, because the episiotomy in the healing process is actually probably a lot easier than a natural tear, mm-hmm. um, which I had both on both babies um, and more external tears on my second baby. So they were actually incredibly painful mm-hmm. um, in the healing process. But I don't even know what. Uh, yeah, like I what don't know why they're the so end. demonized. I don't either. Yeah, and I was um, another thing that somebody like warned me about is like you don't want forceps. Definitely don't want forceps. Yeah. It would like ruin you if you do. And I was like, okay, definitely don't. So when I went into the birthing suite in Hollis Street, I told them that, and they were just like, mm, like, but you know, you you might, <laughs> you might need one. I was like, I definitely don't want one. And they were kind of like, you know, they listened to me, which was great. But I ended up having the suction ventus thing. Yeah. Yeah, And and the episiotomy. And like, luckily, I was fine after. I mean, I healed okay. Um, No complications for me. But like, that was the only preparation I had. It was like, I don't want episiotomy. So I'll do this squeezy device thing. Mm. And then when it came to it, they were kind of you know, I remember the doctor being like, okay, we're going to have to do the, the cut. And I was just like, well, fine, do, definitely do as soon as long as the baby's okay, because he was in a tiny bit of distress. Um, so in the moment, of course, you do anything. Mm-hmm. But what would have made that better for you? <sighs> How would you, you know, that fear is there. Yeah. Where did it's the fear, fear come from? And how could you have been helped to get through that fear? Um, well, let's go back to the key word is preparation. 
for somebody like in the classes just to be really no nonsense about it and be like, this is generally what happens in childbirth. But don't be scared because there are resources. There are ways you're not going to be completely ruined. Um, You know, there's the risks are here, but that's what happens when you're pregnant. And, you know, I think the line, as long as the baby's safe and healthy, it shouldn't be used as much. I mean, of course, that's what you want, but it should be as long as you are safe and healthy as well. Mm. Um, and for the mother, the pregnant person, to know that they are in safe hands. Yeah. These things can happen, but there are supports and resources there. Mm. I, think. I think for yeah. me, I did um, a birthing workshop before I had my first baby and it was very much geared towards doing it drug free. Um, and the rhetoric was definitely that you can choose not to have drugs and you can choose not to have an episiotomy and you can choose not to have. Basically, we were told, like, don't let anyone examine you because they're going to try and force you into doing things that you don't want to do. Um, but thankfully, I'm way too um, compliant and <laughs> not a risk taker. So um Whenever I was in the situation and I was told I needed to do X, Y and Z, I was like, absolutely, just go ahead and do it. Um, but yeah, I was very much in the kind of and I was doing hypnobirthing. So I think that's the thing as well. Like I was repeating to myself that my body was made to do this um, and my baby was made for my body. And then as it turned out, like I wasn't born to do it or made to do it. And my baby wasn't made for my body. Do you know what I mean? Like I needed external um, interventions to help me deliver my baby safely. And that was a feeling of failure. Because then afterwards I thought to myself, well, I just didn't try hard enough. And I just kind of gave in to medical intervention, which is so ridiculous. Well, the kind of the giving in. I did feel kind of like because I was so um, gung ho about the no episiotomy thing. Yeah. (laughs) And the forceps thing that once they were just kind of like, listen, this is kind of this is the way it has to be for safe delivery. And I was kind of like, okay, fine. Yeah. I did have an epidural as well, but Same. I was like always yeah, going to have one things. of those. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I was determined not to have an epidural. And then again, when I was, because I, I had to be induced and I was kind of advised to have it. Um, and again, I just kind of thought like, oh, well, you know, tried, failed. Here we are doing all the things I'm not supposed to be doing. And I think that's the other thing as well. You know, obviously, if you can deliver your child or your baby without any sort of intervention, um, it's amazing. And like, that's brilliant. However, like I think we have to get away from that feeling or that mentality of that it's a failure to have an epidural or it's a fa- or like kind of like you're a bit lazy. Like that's how but I felt absolutely. afterwards. I was like, oh, I'm probably just a bit lazy that I had yeah. that. Yeah, and that's that again. So I'm going on yeah. and on about culture, but just to hear you say there that at your class everything was your choice. Mm. You know, and if you don't choose what we recommend, you are a failure. Then it's not an honest choice because you're given one way of thinking. Yes. Do you know? Yeah. You know, you know, and that's that's not fair to you. Well, thankfully, yeah, thankfully, my husband was at the second half of the day and um, he thought it was just the biggest load of BS. And he was like, listen, when we're in the hospital, if they tell you to get something, listen to the doctors. And I was like, yeah, 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 whatever. And in my head being like, I'm in control. This is totally my choice. And then when it came to us, like, you know, I had the sense to listen to the professionals telling me what I need to do. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it is. I know what you're saying. It's, it's kind of, 
it's hard to even get your head around that like nothing is really your choice and it's it's what you're learning and it's what you're reading and it's kind of different ways of thinking that you're kind of aligning yourself to I suppose um but ultimately yeah delivering a healthy baby and for you to come out the other side in one piece is the most important thing and I think you're right you know when you hear nothing is your choice like at the end of the day removing everything we're dealing with nature Mm. Do you know, and we can't control nature. We may want this or this and this, whatever, be it the environment, be it childbirth, be anything in nature. Yeah. yeah, and we work with it and try and help each other as much as we can. And that's women, you know, teaching classes to other women, you know, that have a detrimental effect on a person you're lucky you were able to deal with that but many mothers are not and that detrimental effect to their mental health and all that effect has on their family themselves as persons their relationship their children like it's huge yeah no thankfully i i was able to kind of just dust myself off um and then for my second baby again i kind of like blindly thought that i was going to gonna have an easier go I don't know what well I was told as well to be fair you know people say for your second baby like oh no, the second <laughs> second's much easier and you know you won't need the episiotomy um and your you know your body will remember how to do it everything like none of that worked so I had basically nearly a repeat performance of induction episiotomy didn't have forceps or any kind of um instruments but yeah, like it was tough going both times. And um, even I suppose like what I can't get my head around is the fact that after you have the baby um, and you're sent home until to just get paracetamol and neurofen, not even plus, you know, it's just like crazy. And, and you just have to manage your pain. Um, I had to the, the, best the way good your drugs, whatever they were called, I can't remember, um, for a while. Who <laughs> like, gave you those, Mary? <laughs> I was like, and I came home with them. It was amazing. I asked, then, is that it? <laughs> I was told, yes. I can't remember the name. But then I remember them wearing off and being like, okay, this is actually the reality of the situation. Oh, that's why I need to sit on like two cushions when I'm on the couch. Uh, oh, my God. Um, but Caroline, how would you recommend pregnant women prepare for this for the next stage when like honestly your whole focus is on the labor and then you know the baby being born it's hard for some people to think beyond that especially their own health so what would you say people should do I agree and you know focusing on your pregnancy on your labor and delivery is really really essential it's really really important um How do we change? I think there's a few ways. Like, I think, like everything, culture is huge, you know, and society is huge. And we as women are hugely um, 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 influential. So I think it's really, really important that we have it out there, the importance of the fourth trimester. And if you hear about the fourth trimester, the postnatal period on the radio, you know, you listen, you think, hmm, I'm going to think about that. Health professionals are getting more and more involved. You know, I think too, you know, currently, um, I think it's really important that for the postnatal period, you just have three or four things um, in place. First of all, what support services have you? 
you know, who's there to, to support you? Be it from a family, are you isolated in an apartment on your own up in Dublin? Is your family, say, in um, Brazil or is your family down in Cork? Who's going to be there? You don't know your neighbours. What are you going to do? I think it's really important that you know where your local health centre is. You know, that you go down to your health centre while you're pregnant, see what's available, see where it is, see what parking there is. Um, see what support service and a lot of the support services are for babies but then indirectly they're for mothers and I think you know you're there day three go to your local health centre you don't know where it is you know that's going to cause a lot of stress so all of these things to put in place um, like they're just two ideas that we could start but I think it's way bigger than that and it's cultural change that we have to start soon very soon Um like in in ireland it's not as um restrictive as just say the states where a lot of women have to go back to work after two weeks and the maternity leave isn't there and it's just like awful um at least in ireland we do have the option of maternity leave and there are some amazing classes that luckily are now coming up again um for the the postnatal period as well so you know the the breastfeeding classes with your with other people in the community and that's a great place to meet other women who and support them through the fourth tr- trimester period um and even you know going for your coffees and, and stuff like that but even is it like the fourth trimester if you just want to stay in bed for a month after that's you have okay. a baby that's yeah. okay yeah. and to exercise a little and just to rest yeah, yeah. and whatever is right for you is right you know yeah. and you know we talk about the internet and social media and the negative effect but there's huge resources and um huge like again i work in hollow street the national maternity hospital and if you go onto our website you know there's a huge resource for antenatal education for a lot of but there's a excellent excellent up-to-date resource on postnatal care and i think we need to get that out as well where to get positive in honest uh, quality information and all the other maternity hospitals would have that as well. Yeah. You know, and encourage really and encourage women to actually read yeah. it and use it. Yeah. 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 I think it's just to talk about it yeah. and talk about talk about the complications, talk about how hard it is, talk about how very few mothers have their bodies back at 6 weeks and if you have your body back at 6 weeks that's good and you're happy but if you don't that's okay too. Yeah. You know, how difficult it is. In many, many ways. But actually, and you know, it's it's the it's the most wonderful job in the world, you know. Um, but for a lot, it's it's a struggle. It's part of the fourth trimester as well, kind of um, ensuring that the baby is settled and 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 sleeping well and you know that kind of thing. Like, or is or is it just an extension of um, if the baby is settled and sleeping well, it allows you to kind of recover more. Like, no, no, it's just period centered it's a, it's, on the mother. Yeah, no, 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 it's on both. Okay. You know, you, it, our unit, and I think it's really important too to realize that not every baby is smiley and sleeps all the time. And, you know, some babies are grumpy and, you know, are feisty and that, but that's not a failure of the mother. Mm-hmm. You know, that's their personalities, you know. And I think, yeah, it's, it's a unit. And as I say, as we started with, we're so good at focusing on babies. It's all about, you know, come to the house the baby very little on the mother you know and I think it's a unit but I think the fourth trimester 
we need to focus on the mother at the moment not forgetting the baby I was actually reading up a little bit about um there's a doctor in America called Harvey Karp I don't know if you've heard of him um and he supposedly coined the phrase the fourth trimester Mm. in 2002 Mm. but he's since written like several books about like the happy baby and whatever but he also designed the bassinet the snoo have you heard of the snoo so a friend of mine actually has it they're like ferociously expensive they're like 12 or 1400 euro or something for this but it's kind of like a smart bassinet (laughs) so it supposedly mimics the conditions of the womb um and it like gently rocks the baby and you know um puts out kind of like white noise and whatever and my friend who has it said her child hates it so she's raging that she spent all this money and he basically will only sleep attached to her um but like that's so, what I was, you know that's what i was thinking it, it mimics the womb but it's not actually you the womb yeah and the womb <laughs> and you know a, a lot of what we're to, uh, what we're told in those classes yeah. is that like skin to skin yes. and holding your baby yeah. is actually really important also imagine just the rage of spending 1400 euro <gasps> yeah, on a bassinet the and then child <laughs> (laughs) and sleep in it um but yeah so it is it's it's i suppose it's kind of moving away from gimmicks is that kind of part of it as well yeah it is like you know that's i suppose like everything in life we have the newest phone we have the newest fitbit we have everything um yeah and it's just coming back to, to 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 what's natural do you know and for some mothers spending 1400 or no 1400 1400 on gimmicks is okay yeah that's what they want to do yeah Yeah. you know but if you don't do it that's okay too you know you don't have to feel jealous though of the person who does yeah who who can yeah Yeah, no that has that money yeah but you can feel good when it doesn't work yeah i'm joking (laughs) (laughs) you can feel smug um it's coming back to that point on the fourth trimester and you're right it did come from the states but the states as you uh, alluded to earlier you know we're not bad here in ireland at all with our postnatal care you know and we've the luxury of able to talk about it here and to improve the service but in the states a lot of mothers don't engage at all they don't go for their checkups with their gp you know and there's a huge loss of opportunity for a mother's health in the states and that's why they were trying to to capture that you know here in ireland we're not bad at all you know well, we have resources, I suppose. Yeah, if we you're have in resources. America and you don't have private health no. insurance, you don't yeah. have access to yeah. any of the things we get for yeah. free. So. Yeah, and we have a good community spirit, yes. you know, and yeah. yeah. Um, and there is like, um, you know, as the years go on, as you were saying earlier, we're talking about menopause now and we never did before, yeah. talking about fertility and it's becoming a normal part of conversation and not something taboo anymore. And also um, with the the postnatal period I mean fathers now or partners yeah. are so much more involved than they would have been not not that long ago yeah and you're a unit as a family you know yeah. you're adjusting together um to to being parents I suppose that's actually really uh, like important because I actually wasn't even thinking that way myself but um yeah like it's kind of a fourth trimester for the partner yeah. as well yeah because their whole lives have completely yeah been turned upside Completely. down and they're yeah. coming getting to grips with this yeah. new tiny human yeah. as well yeah um so and while you're maybe going I should through have been the hormones nicer to my husband no, yeah. I'm well that's their job <laughs> like their job is to put up with your hormonal yeah. changes and yeah. exhaustion and like they're exhausted too but in a different way you know we have to be honest the whatever happens to the to the 
birthing parent um, is different. <laughs> yeah, like there's the huge physiological change. Yeah. Uh, that's so you're allowed to be yeah, you're allowed to be a bit mad. Yeah. They can yeah. be mad with them a lot of the time. Mad. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, Caroline, thank you so much for coming in thank and joining you. us thank today you. and chatting about the fourth trimester. And just if to say it again, if people want to get access to more information, is it nmh.ie? Yeah, like yeah, like the website yeah. essentials. Yeah, the National Maternity. Yeah, nmh.ie. Yeah, and there's a an, an educational hub on it, and one of them is the postnatal period. But as I say, um, the other maternity hospitals, it's not just about Hollis Street. <laughs> the other maternity hospitals um, will have the service as well. And a lot of English hospitals um, as well. have. So there's a lot of good information um, okay. out there. Well, let's keep the conversation going about the fourth trimester and let everyone know that it's real and that, you know, women should be looking after themselves and deserve it too. And it's okay to not feel okay. Yeah. Thank <laughs> you so much. Ladies, thank, thank you. you.